Wine Australia is about to release its Emissions Reductions Roadmap for the Australian wine sector. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and long before there was any roadmap, James Robson from Ross Hill Wines in New South Wales was working hard to reduce the emissions from his business. So much so, they became the first wine company to be registered with the Australian Federal Government as Certified Carbon Neutral. To find out how they achieved that, James joins us for this ASVO podcast. Thanks for your time. Oh, good day, Drew. No problems at all. I always like talking about the environment, so very happy to do it. Well, you are the person to talk to about it in terms of the path that you have gone in terms of carbon neutrality with Ross Hill Wines. But for those that are unfamiliar, where is Ross Hill Wines and what do you produce? So Ross Hill Wines is a, a business in Orange, New South Wales. Orange is a very uh, unusual wine growing area because it's uh, worked out on altitude. So the altitude runs from 600 metres above sea level to you know over 1,000 metres above sea level. So it gives us the opportunity to do fantastic Cabernets. We do an awesome Cab Franc, Syrah, Pinot Noir. And then, you know, Chardonnay is, is the queen of queen of orange, no question about it. And then great aromatics and, and some terrific sparklings coming out of orange, even giving the Tasmanians a little bit of a run for their money. So it's great. And it's a family business, I understand, James. What sort of volumes are you producing each year? Yeah, so my wife and I and the bank own it. We're getting back up to our normal production of over 25,000 cases. So I think production this year was about 27,000 cases. We sell wine all around Australia and we export to four countries. So it's a, it's a great, great little business. Now, at the start, we talked about the environment and you have blazed a path here in terms of carbon neutrality. What prompted that? to start with and also can you explain what that really means maybe it started back in the 80s when i was a teenager with long hair marching down uh, down george street in the anti-nuke marches with my dad and i've been an environmentalist you know really all my life and then when we got to having our own business my wife and i once we got the business a bit under control that's what we were committed to was carbon neutrality now what does carbon neutral mean it's the long answer is very complicated, but the short answer is pretty simple. It basically means that we produce zero carbon out of this business. It's not just the business, it's the product as well. So it includes every bottle, every time I jump on an aeroplane, tractor hours, electricity, packaging, the whole bit. So basically, they're the outputs. The inputs are the farms. So we've got two farms. They're only small, they're only 165 acres each. And we have 38 kilowatts of solar on the roof of the winery, which does a lot of the heavy lifting. And then there's all the, the one percenters, I guess we'll talk about later. But to put it in perspective, last year was our best year for carbon. And the offsets, because you have to buy credits to be have zero carbon, the offsets only cost us $930 for the whole year in a 25,000 case business. So it's basically, you know, natural carbon neutral, basically, at the end of the day. James, obviously solar was a really big part of that. Was that the first step, though, or was it a whole range of things to move towards carbon neutrality? Yeah, so what we did was we were getting our wines made off-site and then we bought this old apple packing shed with these fantastic cool rooms for barrel rooms. So once you get 
your business under control, you start looking at the costs and energy. And so we, we got our New South Wales energy audit done. And the biggest issue we had was the power with these rooms. And so we got quotes on better technology. And then at the same time, there was a federal government grant for big commercial solar, which we were successful in because it's a, it's a north face, northeast facing shed. It's perfect. So we thought we'd put in this big solar farm and it instantly cut our uh, electricity bill between forty dollars to $50,000 a year. So that's a good bonus. And then I just thought to myself, well, that's not good enough. And I was riding my bike with a mate who's uh, got a doctorate in um, environmental innovation. And he put me onto a terrific uh, consultancy business called Pangolin in Sydney. And we went down the path of becoming carbon neutral. And, And when you're the first with the Australian government, it did take us a bit of time because the calculations are quite complicated because, you know, basically we're growing a fruit. We're then fermenting it into an alcohol, we're then putting it into a bottle, and then we're sending that bottle, you know, the furthest place we send our bottles is to England. That took them a fair bit of time to get their head around it. Um, I think there's a few more carbon neutral wineries now in Australia, and it's got easier for them because they've sort of rung me and asked for help and all that sort of stuff. But that's sort of been the process of it. We did it because we think the biggest problem the Earth's got is warming, global warming, and in particular, viticulture. But what it's done for our business is just phenomenal. That's the byproduct of this. It's been absolutely, from a, a storytelling sales uh, thing, it's been quite amazing. So what, that's given you access to markets and obviously publicity, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so I, yeah, I, knew, I knew there'd be a bit of publicity when we first did it, and I knew that when I'm standing in front of a... 100 people at a wine dinner or or whatever I'm doing and I'm telling my story, I knew that there'd be a connection there. But on top of that, we've had huge connections like we're in the Qantas wine program. That's not on the aeroplanes, actually their website program. And we got there because we're carbon neutral and Qantas is carbon neutral. You know, we sell wine into law firms all in Sydney and Melbourne because they're carbon neutral. I get asked to do some of the craziest speeches um, of all time. And, you know, I go down and I talk to organisations about carbon neutrality and they're sipping my wine at the same time. And I just walk away with club members because, you know, the wine's very good, obviously, but, you know, it's a story that people are really uh, connected to. And that has amplified itself over the last three to four years. So from 2015 to 2019, it sort of bubbled along. And then the last three or four years, it's really ramped up with people's interest in it. So you've got publicity, you've got access to markets. But on the other side, you mentioned earlier, you spent a bunch of money on in upping your solar capacity on the property. Yes, that's an upfront cost. But this substantially reduces your production costs in the long term. I mean, I I don't know what your payback period is, but suddenly that's got to put you in front of competitors. The return on investment on the solar was one year. One year? One year, yeah. That's nuts. There's not too many investments like that. No, no, no. And I keep looking at batteries, but one of the parts of our story that people like to hear is that, you know, we've got to be a profitable, successful business first. Okay, and then we can work on our environmentalism because if we don't grow and make beautiful wine and sell a lot of it, then we can't work on the environmental side. So when we got the grant for the solar, the investment was $50,000 and we saved between forty and $50,000 every single year on that solar. 
And you must be looking at power prices at the moment, climbing, thinking, thank heavens I'm not paying those prices. I'm, I'm yet even further in front now. That's exactly right because a winery in general is, is perfect for solar because other than vintage time, we all come in at nine and, and the lights are out at five. And so we're putting lots of uh, energy back in the grid. You know, 38 kilowatts is a fairly big bank and um, it's, it's like driving an electric car. The best thing about it is, is that you, you just don't put fuel in it. It's terrific. It's a factor of your business you don't have to worry about once it's in place. Absolutely. There's some maintenance and all those sorts of things, but that absolutely is a part of it. When we bring uh, trade guests up here um, from Sydney and Canberra or Melbourne, Brizzy, one of the things we do is we take them up onto the fermenters, which overlooks the roof and the solar. And that's a strange thing to do. The view's okay. You know, it's high. It's not, it's not the best view in orange. But they go, wow, look at that. And I go, yeah. And look, the sun's paying all my energy bills. You know, if you take the carbon neutrality out of it, I, you know, I think, you know, all wineries, it's just a return on investment decision, really, at the end of the day. And wineries, big cost too, in terms of refrigeration and pumping and those sorts of things as well. Yeah, yeah. Turning on wineries is a huge cost. And for me to have $50,000 in my back pocket than giving it to a energy retailer is very satisfactory. I understand you approach a lot of decisions on the property through undertaking a carbon discussion. What's that mean? Yeah, so actually nearly every decision is made. So all of our bottles are the lean green bottles. Um, now lots of wineries use that. There was a bit of pushback when we first did it. And now that we're having a discussion with within uh, the business because we want to move to a leaner, lighter premium bottle. And that's what the winemaker wants because he doesn't care what bottle it goes into, right? But he's an environmentalist. And then on the sales side, they're going, oh, I'm not sure if a $50 Pinot can be in a lighter bottle. So there's all those discussions. But from an investment point of view, we've had two big investments recently. We've put in a new chilling system. We're looking at another 40% efficiency on our chilling. But my favourite one is actually, it's called a float pump. And the winemaker again came to me and said, look, we can settle our wines um, after we put them in tank, white wines, and you will not only, in my opinion, get a better result from a quality wine point of view, but you are going to save two days or three days worth of chilling on these tanks. And, you know, we counted the tanks and we worked it out. And it's like, you know, 60 days of chilling or something. And you look at that and the pump costs $12,000 and you look at it and you just go, it's a no-brainer because it's not just about that we're saving power and we're better for the environment it's about the culture of the business you've got people inside my business coming to me all the time with new ideas another one was my marketing manager reached out to tesla wrote them a letter they sent us a tesla re- a charger for nothing for zero dollars and now Porsche's done it as well. So, I don't know, maybe it's a competitive thing in the electric car market, I've got no idea. But, <laughs> you know, these, these sorts of things are things that are, that are always in our conversations and they're always in our discussions. So not only is it good for your investment and your winemaking and your business, but it's good culturally as well. And that's, that's really important because if you get a team of people all thinking the same way, guess what you get? A profitable business. That's just the way it is. So you mentioned at the start that your sector has some work to do in regards to climate change. 
I'm interested in how you view the sector and also the region that you're working in, in terms of dealing with that down the track. There's a very simple reason for this, Drew, is that viticulture has widely been recognised as the canary in the coal mine for agriculture. So what that means is I determine them as two different things. One is climate change and one is global warming. And we've got problems in both areas. You know, for instance, here in Ross Hills, one of our vineyards is 750 metres above sea level. And it has grown some exceptional Chardonnay. And we have planted, we've invested $150,000 on three hectares of Chardonnay at our other vineyard, which is at 1,020 metres above sea level. I call it the global warming vineyard. I'm going to put a sign up on my road. I'll probably annoy some of my neighbours, but that's okay. Because what happens is in that last drought, we were losing natural acidity in the lower vineyard, and we like to put our Chardonnay through 100% malolactic fermentation. And there's no point in doing that if you haven't got the acidity right. So we've really invested in it because Orange as a region will handle global warming better than a lot because we're on this big mountain and you just keep going up it because every every 100 metres you go up in altitude is about a degree and a degree is a lot in grape growing, a lot. This has not been an overnight process though, has it? I mean, gaining this government accreditation has been a long path and you've done all sorts of things along the way, even down to understand halving the number of tractor hours. Yeah, yeah. So we, it's like our water usage as well. You monitor and your database on what you're doing and then you work out what you need to spray, when you need to spray. Very simple things like, you know, we put sheep in the winter in our vineyards. That's very good on tractor hours. But in saying that, you know, you get a cold, wet year or spring like we've had and we probably haven't because you've, you've got also got to be pragmatic when the conditions don't allow it. As I said before, everything we do here has a discussion about, you know, our gig here is is about carbon. And I think that all industries and governments need to understand and get onto this program more quickly because whether you believe in it or not, the population is absolutely on song with this. And you you need to have an environmental standpoint. Now in Orange, We've got amazing farmers here in Orange in the, in the viticulture thing. We've got me with my carbon neutrality. There are other vineyards are doing on this holistic soil management. We've got, I think, the biggest organic vineyards in, in New South Wales here. And I think that you've got to find your spot of where you want to go. But I do absolutely think that if you own a winery, solar, especially at the moment, money's tough, but the return on investment is very good on solar and it's very good for your story as well. James, lastly, what's next? You're still on the grid? Yeah, we're on the grid, yeah. The return on investment on batteries isn't high enough as a business for us to look at that. The other thing that we've got one project with our grape mark that we're working on, and the other thing is a bit of a love thing. I've got a part of my property up here that's about 35 acres, and I'm building a a nature walk for people to enjoy, and so that's part part of the message, you know what I mean? So the minute that we get a tractor that works, that's electric, I will I will be onto that in two seconds because I, I've already got the charges to charge them. And I just think that as an industry, if we can all look towards what we're doing, then you know we're gonna help the problem that the world's got, but also what we're doing is more important because consumers 
more and more are buying not only just the product, but they're buying the product and the story of the product. And so you see a very good uptick in your sales as well. Well, James, you've got a great story to tell, but importantly, it's not just a story. You're actually making a significant difference with the work that you and your team are doing there at Ross Hill Wines. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us for this ASVO podcast to share that story. No worries, Drew. Really love to meet you, even though it was over the phone. To hear more stories and get practical solutions of how to implement climate mitigation practices in your vineyard, join ASVO so you can get access to the recordings of the CO23 conference and more. You can also visit the Wine Australia website to access the Emissions Reduction Roadmap for the Australian grape and wine sector, including a practical guide for grape growers and winemakers to take action from today. This ASVO podcast is part of a series funded by Wine Australia.